Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have the crew comprised of these gentlemen joining me once again over the interwebs. They're back, y'all. One of my mans is here with us. He is the creator and host of the Raw Sex Podcast, my boy, Cousin Damo, a.k.a. Dominique Marks. Y'all make sure y'all checking out the Raw Sex Podcast every Friday, brand new episode. My man is out here in the streets across the web guest hosting guest starring everything else y'all make sure y'all go check him out man he's hot in the street like fish grease and of course with us as well as my man jo here in the pace to be always chopping it up with us over the classics and as we always say here on the vault classic music reviews our motto is hashtag open the vault hashtag nothing but the classics are mbtc and of course y'all know what it is it's 2021 25 years after 1996 so obviously we're going to be running into quite a bit of classic celebrating their 25th anniversary and that's exactly what we have here today so today guys jay and damo we're going to go back to 1996 specifically to march 26 1996 and the beginning of what is now spanned well not just a 25 year career but a career spanning well over three decades now but a solo career now that has reached 25 years and something that when we talk about 96 a lot of people will look at but because of all the excellence may tend to push to the background but once you see it and the things that i saw about this album posted on social media as the anniversary came around i realized how impactful this truly was which i think i forgot after a while because that's what time does but listening to it I got a chance to be able to rediscover some of that. Of course, I'm talking about none other than The Coming, which is the debut studio album of Busta Rhymes, released on March 26, 1996. Recorded between 95 and 96. Recorded at a few different places. Legendary Studios, The Mix Palace, Nick Skib Lab, Soundtrack Studios, all in New York, New York City. Runtime of 63 minutes and 50 seconds on Electra Records. Produced by the legendary DJ Scratch, legendary Easy Mo B, legendary Rashad Smith, legendary the Uma, including the late great Jay Dilla, a.k.a. JD. Also production on here by Chemist Backspin, The Vibe, guest spots on here by Def Squad members, Redman, Keith Murray, Jamal, Q-Tip, Jeanne, the singing group, and his old crew, leaders of the new school, Charlie Brown, Milo, and Dinko. Gotta love it. Here we are, guys, 25 years after The Coming came out. It was crazy listening to it this past week and reading some of the articles and the flashbacks. The first thing that I, a lot of people ended up pulling up was the video for the first single on the album, which was Wuha Got You All in Check. That was directed, of course, by Hype Williams and... For those of y'all who weren't outside during that time, or even if you weren't outside, if you weren't old enough to remember, Hype Williams was the go-to 
director for rap videos back in those days. <laughs> and so he directed this, this video, which sort of gave us an insight into the type of videos that Busta would do all throughout his career. It only got more and more complex after that. And just remembering how crazy the video looked, because vis- visually it was very interesting, to say the least. But there were some guest spots in there. Onyx showed up in that video. Q-Tip showed up in that video. Busta's own son, and of course, Blipstar and Rampage. But we're going to go back to 96 and go back to this album, The Coming, just to get an idea of what y'all thought when y'all first listened to it and what you thought when you listened to it this past week and uh, what has sort of maintained or your takeaway from it after listening to it this past week. So I guess I'll start with you, Jay. What say you about The Coming and Busta Rhymes' debut? Yeah, so like I, you know, I remember this pretty vividly back in 96, like you know, I was in junior high um, and there was already like all this kind of hype build up for Busta Rhymes before that, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I would say shortly before that, the most standout thing was like his verse on like the Flavor in Your Ear remix. I think he did a couple other joints there, but like, you know, when the joint came out, I mean, you already kind of expecting like this whole animated persona and everything like that. And Busta didn't disappoint, you know, it was, you know, I felt like the album lived up to the hype and everything like that back then. And, you know I mean? Even like the, like the crazy lyrics and everything that went along with it. But then, listen to it now or listen to it recently, I mean, I still feel like it holds up, like, you know, as far as, like, the production, and it's kind of funny, like, some trains, like, I could imagine, like, that's how production would be now, like, you know what I'm saying, like, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, like, some of that production was ahead of its time, but it still worked for the time frame in which it, it was released. Yeah. No, because one thing people said, like, um, they kind of said about his style, it's like, you know, he's hip-hop, but lyrical, but, like, kind of combines elements like funk and George Clinton in there as well, like, you know, if that was, like, a futurized version of it, so, you know, definitely yeah. a good blend as far as, like, you know, everything you put together, you know what I'm saying, with this release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. I think, like, we all kind of were waiting for this to come out, partially because, you know, those features, because it was, like, after Leaders of the New School, because the first feature that really everybody jumped on was this scenario. Right. <laughs> you know? And then, like, and just, and that just shows the staying power, because, like, pretty much, even to this day, like, you know, you knew the line that Blue Buster rhymes up yeah. as I combine all the juice from the mind. We love, we love, bring it back home. Rewind <laughs> to this yes. day, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, to this day, in the words of Deontay Wilder, to this day, <laughs> yes, day. And to this day, exactly. So, Damo, what about you? What say you about the coming and listening to it back in the day, and then listening to it this past week? What were your takeaways? Well, I didn't listen to it back in the day. Okay. At all. Like, I, I wasn't even aware of it. I didn't even know that was his first album until the day I thought uh, When Disaster Strikes was his first album. That was the first album of his that I listened to. So when you said The Coming, I was like, The Coming? I said, damn, what the hell? Is-? I said, oh, shit, this was his first album? You know, you said it weeks ago we was going to do this. So I listened to it then. I was like, oh, I didn't even know this was his first. But, you know, I'm 12, 13. You know, mm-hmm. I was just getting it. Well, I was sneaking around listening to hip hop. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Mom was still was trying to keep boy have virgin ears. Right, she didn't know I was like them them preacher kids where you know you try to keep them away from something, but they right. gonna get to it anyway. Exactly, right, exactly. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I, of course, like I said, you know, the scenario, then you know, you hear more, you know, a couple of little features or whatever. So I knew who he was. I just wasn't aware of an album looking for him for an album, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the first time I listened to an album of his was the next album. Mm-hmm. But listening to it this week, yeah, he got it in on there. Yeah. It's definitely a good album. And it makes me think about, you know, his interview that he just did on uh, Drink Champs 
Well, he talking about he got a sh- uh, vault of Jay Dilla beats. Yeah, and that's I remember watching that too on Drink Champs, and I was like, "Yo, Buster, come on, bless the world with that, please." Like, yo, I think he said he got needed. one with Drake. He, I think he said he got one with Drake. Yeah. Oh wow. Hmm. I think I remember him saying he got one with Drake, but I think you know, some, you know, you know how that be that be label shit where that shit yeah. can't come out or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah. Well, this was the first time that we heard Busta over Dilla Beats before we even knew who Dilla was, really. Like, I didn't know who Dilla was in 1996. Like, he was a part of the UMA, and the UMA was starting to take over the production for Tribe Stuff and Tribe's album that came out later on that year, which was Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Uh, And Dilla also producing in 96, Stakes is High, with De La Soul, the song Stakes is High. So, just crazy. Mentioning that scenario feature... And then also that Flavor in Your Ear feature. Also hearing him on Boys to Men's Vibe and Remix, which had some dope, dope features with Method Man and Tretch. Um, mm-hmm. He became the sought-after, go, the go-to go person when it came for features. Then it was like this album was coming out. Um, I mentioned the video about Wuha Got You On The Check. That was a crazy sample that Rashad Smith limp lifted for that song itself. Then there was the remix that he had with ODB, which used the same sample but flipped it a, cert- a different way. That sort of kept the anticipation going. Then everybody sort of knew, like, you know, Busta had the hype, mega, super active, like, you know, personality while rhyming. Like, you know, he's very animated when he rhymes. Some of the words and the lines that he spits, like, are sort of out there, but it's still, like, lyrical, like you said, Jay. But then he also switched it up, and you have that second single, with It's a Party with Sean A. And you see the other side of him to sort of be like, okay, he could also give you a change-up. And give you something that could sort of be radio, like even more radio friendly than what he had before. And it could be, you know, something with a little bit of a smooth finish to it that sort of gave you a peek into the future of what we would get for Busta even after this album came out. But this really was something, as I say, was for the culture. Like we we use that, that hashtag and that term a lot for the culture. This really, I think to me was an album that was for the culture. And you heard it in the intro when he talked about, you know, it's interesting. 25 years ago, he was talking about, like, we are the gatekeepers of this hip-hop shit. We don't have no room for deadweight motherfuckers and everything. And he was saying that in 96 when we would look 25 years afterwards and understood how good we had it even back then. <laughs> but then mm-hmm. but then coming from the perspective of where Busta was coming from, he was in Leaders of the New School. They had a great run into the late 80s, into the early 90s before they broke up. They came from a school where they pretty much studied the originators of the hip-hop shit in its purest art form. <laughs> so they were coming from a different place than a lot of, folk, a lot of us even realized. And now we realize it years afterwards with hindsight being 2020. I had this album and I played this like crazy because it was very different from a lot of things that I was listening to at that time. And you finally got a, a whole album of Busta by himself. No features. You got, yo, three verses of Hot Fire spit on tracks. And then you have production on here. I mean, it's it's wild, man. Um, DJ Scratch, like, yo. They talk about a dude that has poured out like over almost close to 30 years of a career, um, an incredible DJ, but a producer, just goodness, you know, it's um, and an easy Moby. I mean, what else can you say during this particular time? You could make an argument, Jay, and you, I don't know if you agree with me. You could make an argument that easy Moby during that time was probably a top five producer during that era. You know, you could make an argument that he was after what he had done on Ready to Die. 
to what he had done on this. A lot of different other artists he worked with, not just from New York, but and also on the West Coast and in the Midwest. Um, he was hot. Then you add into the fact that the Uma produces on this as well. It really made for a nice combination of a debut album, like you said, Jay, sort of lived up to the hype and exceeded it to a certain extent. So it really sort of set the table for what would happen later on afterwards. This was a favorite of mine's in 96, definitely. To me, it kind of set the table what I expected from Busta afterwards. I don't want to say I was disappointed with stuff that came after that, but I sort of felt like he had to sort of switch things up. And when he did, it was sort of getting away from some of the things that I think made me a fan of his in the first place. But this had everything that made me a fan with him in the first place by listening to it, if that makes any sense. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, now we're going to get into highlights. So we'll look into highlights, you know, lowlights if you have any, and just sort of go through, talk about the tracks, what you like. What about you, Damo, listening to it? What were your highlights when going through it, just listening to it this past week? I mean, vibe, Q-Tip was a hot. You know, I'm going to stay away from the single. We already know the single. Yeah. That hot fudge. I like still shining. Mm, yeah. I like the finish line. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning, you know, it sounded good in the beginning, but something that threw me off was the Flip Mode Squad meets Death Squad. Mm, okay. I mean, I like the beginning. They spitting in the beginning. Yeah. But once it gets to Rampage, The Last Boy Scout, and Lord Have Mercy, nigga, they should have just stopped the track and Mm-mm. took them two off, put Buster <laughs> right there, and it would have been a good track. I'm like, I'm like, what the f-? I went back, I said, hold on, hold on, let me listen to it. I had to see who it was. I said, let me see who the hell these, these niggas are. Right. And what the fuck they said? Yo, what the fuck? Y'all done fucked up the whole song. <laughs> First, I thought it was a nigga in the beginning. I was like, all right, he, all right, he a little iffy. I was mm-hmm. like, all right, all right, go. I said, all right, yeah, he might be the weak link on this track. But when it got to them two niggas, yeah. I don't know who was the weakest link. First, mm-hmm. I thought it was Lord Have Mercy. But when I went back and listened to it the third time, I was like, man, that Rampage, the last, why you with them? I don't know who the <laughs> fuck they should take over. Well, both of them don't need to be on there. Throw the whole song away because of them. Oh, man. Wow. Yep, I said it. Damn. Okay, clearly that's um, Dom's low that's, light. That's his so. low light. That's his low light. <laughs> clearly. That's his low light. Yeah. Wow. You know what? I got something funny to say about that whole track. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So Jay, Jay, what about you? What are your highlights and lowlights? Um, I would say like, do my thing. Everything remains raw. Um, ill vibe. Um, it's a party drink because like you know what I'm saying just the whole like, the thing. You know what I'm saying just the whole vibe. Um, yeah, the finish and line. That skit. And that skit yeah. was a highlight too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Many niggas that went down that line right there. Hold oh, on, I can't hit. No, yeah. I'm good, Poppy. She good. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Oh, <laughs> See, I'm not gonna go as hard as Donald did as far as like you know saying flip mode squad beats death squad, like and I well, I will in the sense like you know what I'm saying feeling that Rampage probably could just been left out of flip mode altogether, but... <laughs> See, that's harder than me. <laughs> I I well, damn, okay. <laughs> hey, y'all niggas savage, man. Y'all <laughs> savage as hell. Group. I just took the nigga off the track. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, and then, like, the whole thing about Flip Mode Squad meets, meets Death Squad, excuse me, like, is, um, 
I just remember back in 96 when I heard Lord Have Mercy for the first time. I was like, I just said some real silly stuff. I was like, it almost like sound like like God was trying to rap. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if God if God had bars, like you could hear it. It's like, that's how he was like trying to make it sound. Some shit. Mind you, I was like 14, yeah. 14 back then. Saying it was like, yeah. wow. Like, oh, that means you got it right like when you was 14. <laughs> that means you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say as far as like low lights, and I've even said this since back then, I still say I could have done without a band and ship. Mm, okay. Like, I feel like that joint was like, you know what I'm saying, like a leftover L.O.N.S. track that somehow made its way onto this joint. Like, mm, when I was to announce for like, the production or anything, you know what I'm saying? Like, Understood. Like, I could see that joint having come, like, come out, like, right after, like, Scenario or the PTA joint they put out back in the day as far as that. So I just, yeah. I just didn't feel, I felt like it didn't really flow with the album, but, you know, so. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. And that one had Rampage on it, too, as well. Hmm. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> Theme, <man>. Hey, <laughs> I see a trend. Oh man! <laughs> so, so my highlights. Obviously, um, I love "Do My Thing." Um, the intro too, man. The beats that were on the intro were like really just vintage DJ Scratch. Like when I hear DJ Scratch's bass lines, I'd be like, "Yo!" I'd be wanting to like, "Yo, hey, bruh, can you take me into the studio?" Like, "Yo, listen." Can you teach me how you do these bass lines? <laughs> like the bass I don't know how he does the snares, man. Oh like, yeah, his snares are crazy snares too. Snares are crazy too. Yeah, his snares are crazy too. But it's like, yo, I need to find out how to do these bass lines. These bass lines are what I've been craving in my own productions for a long time. Everything remains raw. Like man, Easy Mo B is a beast, bro. Like <laughs> he is a beast, man. He was literally like, yo, wasn't missing during this time period when he was producing things. And um, yeah, I don't think an artist has gotten more out of one song or a couple of lines in a song than Busta has gotten out of Everything Remains Raw. Um, <laughs> like that one line, so hardcore. Fuck what you heard. You ain't heard this before. Like he used that line in another song on when disaster strikes. But this track, though, was a standout to me. It was one of my favorites back then and still is now. You see Easy Moby again on It's a Party, and that's like another, like a changeup, that that track. And hearing John A during that time, like I think for those of us who weren't old enough back in the day, really don't remember like how like impactful a group John A was back then. Like, yo, they had some hits. They fit in perfectly on this track. Like, you could have had another oh, R&B yeah. act on here, yeah. but they really, really fit this track. Their vocals and everything really fit this track perfectly. Wuha, obviously. Uh, Ill Vibe with Q-Tip was great because I love the beat and love Q-Tip's verse on there. Like, to me, Tip and Busta have always had really, really good chemistry. Yeah, I'm just going to say that, too. Yeah, really great chemistry. Still Shining was another highlight as well. That beat was crazy. That was a Dilla beat. Keep It Moving was another Dilla beat. That was a, a that beat is a highlight to me um, with that piano sample and the bass sample in the background. It was also good to see them get back together with leaders of the new school, especially after the way that they broke up. I mean, they literally like broke up on Yo MTV Raps in front of <laughs> in front of Fat Five Freddy and what the whole world to see, which was crazy. And then the finish line, I agree with you there, Damo. That's another DJ Scratch beat, and now it had a great message in it as well. Flip Mode Squad meets Death Squad. Now, I loved everything that everyone from Death Squad did. I mean, I loved Jamal's leadoff verse. I thought it was a little long, but I loved it. Um, Redman brings it always as well. Um, Keith Murray was sort of in his bag during that time. But when you get to, to Rampage and Lord Have Mercy, it was just like, I listened to it this past week. I was like, yo... 
this shit really really is bad like this is doesn't fit at all like to be i mean because like i remember watching something on twitter and i was reading and someone said something about when they were talking about this album they said the biggest murder in hip-hop occurred right around 96 when the death squad murdered flipmo squad (laughs) (laughs) you know rampage though let's take a minute to talk about that my thoughts i think that you know he's great when it comes to hyping things up like he was great on when he's talking to hype things up but when it comes to rapping especially on this album like i have a feeling he was better during when disaster strikes and on some of the later things he wasn't good on this though rapping he wasn't it was just like yo you should have just been a hype man, bro. Like, you know, Rampage was sort of split star before, you know, there was a split star. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but yeah, it's just like, yo, on Abandoned Ship, I felt like he felt out of place on that. He felt out of place on the Flip Mode Squad meets Death Squad. And it's just like, yo, um, yeah. The <laughs> the skit after Hot Fudge, as you mentioned, Damo, hilarious. Why? Because it goes into this recurring theme that we had during the mid-90s where there was always a skit with some oral sex going on. Like, <laughs> this is like the third or fourth album we've covered where there's been an oral sex skit, except for this time around, or it's you do going down on a girl and him wanting to get some head, and she's like, nope, I'm good. Like, you got to go. Like, that's crazy. That gives a new meaning, Jay. You can hear that with... Mr. Vegas' song, like, hits high, kill him with the no. no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she hit him with that joint, which was funny. Um, there are a lot of highlights on here. The lowlights on here, though, kind of, like, you know, it just kind of really feels out of place. And it's just like, bro, like, they could have done without having these things in place. But overall, really, I mean, I really solid. Um, I love the production on here. Nothing really, I, there's not really a beat on here. Like you said, other than that, Abandoned Ship does sound a little bit, you know, like it could have been something right after for leaders of the new school, Jay. Um, but all the beats on here, great. A lot of good work on here. JD really starting to see his first forays into producing. And this is where the public first really got to know some of the work that he started out doing. So, yeah, that's my thoughts as far as highlights and lowlights. And now we're going to get into notable quotables, if you have any. And we'll pull them out. So, Jay, what about you? What do you have for notable quotables? I guess I would say like um his journal on um his first roast everything remains raw. Mm-hmm. Just that Jay comes in, yo, I burn your food like Florence, run up in your crib like my name was Search Warrant. Like, and then um on on like on do my thing, he was like, Y'all think fast before I get all in your ass. Bend your frame like plexiglass. Yes. Like, you motherfuckers be acting like you like don't know that half. You, you and your, your whole staff make, make me laugh. laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Ha. You need to sing my song with your similar features like, like Olivia, Olivia Newton John. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, think, man. That was kind of like a precursor of things to come as far as like bus rhymes actually be able to put like a, put out like a diss joint too. Like, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, we also have them with a Hail Mary chain. Good lord. Oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah, well, Buster came from an era when he used to battle with people, man. Like, he spent high school, like, yo, he went to high school with, I think he said, with Jay and with Biggie, and he used to sit there and battle. Like, they used to battle. You know what I'm saying? So, he knew what it was like when you needed to come up with punchlines. Like, if you were going to win a battle, you had to come up with some clever punchlines to be able to win a battle. You know what I'm saying? You had to rhyme. Yeah, so, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's animated and all that, but, like, at the end of the day, Buster is a lyricist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People forget that. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
And I feel like a lot of people sort of forget that because when they get into the fact that his flow has changed so much over the years that they forget about how lyrical Buster can be. Like, he got that nickname from Chuck D because of his lyrical skill. <laughs> There's a reason for it. There's a reason for it, exactly. Damo, what about you? You're notable, quotable. Um, I went with uh, him on Hot Fudge, Buster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the second verse, you know, he's, you know, you look like my man, you, y'all look similar. Alibis that niggas try to use like we familiar. Fuck that. You really need to check your criteria. Violating the world, annihilate your whole area. Been in this too long to allow niggas to try to take mine. 23 years deep and still I exist as Buster Rhymes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the joint I like. Yeah. I mean, it's on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, of course, we could have went, you know, probably Red, uh, Red Man was killing it to yeah. me on that other joint. But and, and, and that is my notable quotable. It's Red Man <laughs> on Flip Mode Squad means Death Squad on his verse. I thought about using Rampage and one of uh, Lord Have Mercy, they like. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you crazy, man. And nah. Uh, so, Red Man, you know, starts his joint off. Who the fuck I be I? You cannot see I. Flabbergasted, blasted my Magnum P.I. Oops, I lied. I got a cannon about the size of Grand Canyon. I'm prime time giving MCs knots landing. Duck heavens to fucking Mercatroyd. I drop noise that employs the unbelievable. Recline like receding headlines. Crime speak fine with the nine pole line blind. Keep my minds to, to sleeve until you start to quiver. Metabolism splits rivers. I rock so many bras, I'll leave your entourage tender. Like bartenders mix liquor. I serve you over the rocks, feed you to my flock. Now time to click triggers. Manslaughter in alphabetical order for four quarters. Raw water turns sons to granddaughters. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I bring trouble where you sleep. I do double bed to bust you in your bubble bed. Coat, antidotes, cause gun smoke in Tokyo. MC's dosy dope, blow your mics in this rodeo. My star roast them up by thousands, million, quadrillions. Shutting down national state buildings with high ceilings. Front dock to the spot, freeze. Creeping on MC's like Vietnamese and army fatigues. Death squad representa. Hit your ass up from the bottom when you enter. Craziness. There is a level of emceeing that some rappers reach that you know that they're closer at near to their peak. Redman was probably closer at near to that peak in 1996. <laughs> because he didn't miss that entire year, bro. Like, from uh, the compilation albums he did to being on All Eyes on Me to being on this joint to being on to Muddy Waters. Like, bro, like, yeah. Just, just amazing. Absolutely amazing. A lot of great think pieces have come out about this over the last couple of days. Somebody wrote on The Ringer, they actually have this series that's coming out called the 1996 Rap Yearbook. And they talk about how in 96 was the height of the East Coast, West Coast feud. It was the debut of several artists who were ruled for the next few decades. And it was the last moment before the battle lines between mainstream and underground were fully drawn. And it goes into exploring the landmark releases and moments from 25 years ago to redefine how we thought about hip hop. So there was a article about Busta Rhymes classic debut, the coming, and it says enter the dungeon dragon to come in 25 years later. So the writer and it's written by Max Bell for the ringer says that um, when he was writing, he said they were talking about when the whole thing sort of started on from yo MTV raps, when they 
broke up. The leaders of the new school pretty much were on the verge of breaking up. How everything sort of pointed to the fact that this led to the fact that everyone listened to the leaders of the new school and it was like you couldn't wait to hear Busta. <laughs> they needed to hear more from Busta. Someone wrote a, uh, wrote a review about leaders of the new school, their sophomore debut out, sophomore album, Time, and they said that the problem with leaders of the new school is that you can't well help but wait for Busta to get on the mic. You want more from him than the group can provide. And then she said that she compared his flow to a John Coltrane or Charlie Parker solo. <laughs> John Coltrane and Charlie Parker played the saxophone and the trumpet, respectively. <laughs> While they didn't necessarily advocate for the group to break up, it was almost inevitable that people wanted to hear more from him as time went on. And they did break up, and he did start a solo career. My personal thought on this as well, like listening to this album, is that, you know, this is sort of what made me a Busta fan. And then as he moved on, he sort of started to change up a lot. But then I think that was more of a consequence of, you know, wanting to one, stay relevant, but then two, also seeing how things changed after that. Because if you listen to the other two albums after this, When the Dash Strikes and Thinkin' Level Event, you know, Final World Front, he became a little bit more commercial in his sound. And he had songs that were bigger commercial hits than the ones that were on this one. I think it took a little bit away from what sort of made him bust the rhymes, in my opinion. What, what y'all think about that? You're right. You correct. Like, I mean, I would say, like, not even so much, like, right after that, but I would just say like, further down the line, like, because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been times I've definitely caught myself, like, saying, like, looking back, you know, the coming when disaster strikes and be like, you know, I missed that bust around. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, like, because, I mean, yeah, the fast flow was cool and all like that, but, I mean, I know it's, like, way more to them than that. I just feel like, you know, it's just, you know what I'm saying, like, almost like just like a grab, like, kind of, like, keep his name culturally relevant. He yeah. Has, like, the, like, he has more to offer than you know, just that fast rapping train, like, you know, growing up in the 90s. We've heard it, like, a thousand times over. Yeah. Like, I miss the animation, and, like, people always say, like, you know, it's because he's older now, but, I mean, you could still be older and still kind of be animated, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, I mean, case in point, I know it's like way off, not even of hip hop. Look at somebody like, like a Weird Al Yankovic or something like that. He's still <laughs> making parody songs. Like, yeah. He's like about 60 years old. I mean, you can still right. like yeah. keep that momentum up regardless of your age. I mean, at least just my opinion. Yeah. Now, the animated thing, the whole like crazy flow, like that's really what made me, like you said, I missed that buster. The fast flow was cool, like you said, and it wasn't like he did it and didn't do it well because he did it well. I mean, he Who did it about him or Twister. Oh, Twister, obviously. Yeah, all day. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, when it comes to rapid fat, rapid rapping, nobody nobody does it better than Twister. Like nobody does. I mean, there's not a single person in the history of rapping that does rapid rapping better than Twister. As a matter of fact, on that Welcome to My Hood remix that had that Khaled that had um both Busta and Twister on it. Busta was first and then Twister came right after him and it was like Busta did good on the flow, but then Twister annihilated it. So it was like <laughs> I mean he annihilated it. But now nah, though he did the fast flow well you know, when you hear stuff like, you know, put your all your hands where my eyes can see and you hear stuff like give me some more and what's it going to be? Those were all really, really big, big hits. And like you said, he, he did want to stay relevant because nobody wants to be a dinosaur in the changing landscape because then that's how you die, you know. But he's found a way to stay relevant. He's got plenty of plenty of hits. But I would really wish that I would have seen more of this Buster Rhymes throughout his career than just what we sort of got heading into the 2000s. But 
I mean, I don't even say like you know, as far as like the fast rapping, like another joint. I think you forgot to mention was like the joint is a wild one, but it's with him and Mystical. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Definitely. <laughs> oh yeah. That joint. Oh yeah. Definitely. Shoot, Bowie football team used to do they hype they they entrance music that that was they entrance music song right there. That song was they joint. <laughs> <laughs> blown out at homecoming. Hey, you don't have to say all that, Domo. You wrong as shit for that for saying that. You wrong as shit for saying that. It's terrible, terrible. <laughs> God damn it! Oh man. So here we go. We're going to get now to the verdict, the test of time, to see how it lays out. Is it certified classic, borderline classic, just a classic in its time or not a classic? And then how strongly do you feel about it from a 7 to a 10? 7 meaning that you don't feel as strongly about it, 10 that you feel very strongly about it. So I'm going to get the review from y'all and see what y'all say. So, Jay, what say you about the coming and Busta Rhymes? I'm going to say borderline classic. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go um, 9 out of 10 as far as that. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it was dope. I mean, it's just like, I just feel like, you know, he did have better material later on. But, I mean, yeah, so I mean, I'll say borderline. So Yeah. Damo? I'm going to say classics for his time. 8 out of 10 on that. Okay. It's a good flow through the album or whatever until, you know, you get to those couple of tracks right there. Like, it started off strong and then mm-hmm. those little hiccups right there. And then, you know, it ends it end strong. But, you know, I can, me never listening to it then mm-hmm. and me listening to it now, I can say, you know, it's a classic for its time. I can see why it's in the vault. Yeah. I'm going to say borderline classic as well. And I'm going to say I, a 9 out of 10 for me as well on that. Uh, the highs are really great here. Um, you sort of got what you were anticipating out of Busta. Right? So many times we get a highly anticipated debut album from somebody and it failed to meet those expectations. And this one, to me, I felt met it and then exceeded it in some respect. Uh, Good production. I really feel as though, you know, there are some 10 out of 10 songs on here, but I really feel, other than the lowlights, the rest of the other songs were sort of like right around that 7 out of 10 or 8 out of 10, like, range. So, to me, I think it sort of averages out to being a borderline classic because I feel as though a lot of it was steady. There was some really, really highs, but then some lows. And listening to it after 25 years, I think a lot of it still holds up. But I don't think that we can put it quite in this, just like some of the other certified classics that we had. But I think it's borderline. It's right there. I don't think that it's it's to the point where it needed maybe some some elements to be taken out or maybe something else in it to sort of push it over the top where we could say it was certified. So there we go. Jay and I say borderline classic. Damo says classic just in its time. But without a shadow of a doubt, though, the coming a Solid and dope debut from Buster Rhymes and someone who has had a rap career well over 30 years and a solo career for 25 years. So make sure y'all go check it out wherever you're able to get music. And um, I actually tried to look for the vinyl the other day and saw that it sold out wherever I looked at. So if you ain't can't get the vinyl, go ahead and head on your music provider and listen to wherever you can listen to it. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our new host on Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to the Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. You can go to the bio on any one of our social media pages, get to our link tree. There you will get to the rest of our social media pages and all of our streaming sources. You can get to us on the Vault on Instagram on at Vault CMR Podcast, on Twitter at Vault Classic. 
and on YouTube and Facebook. You can search us with using the Vault Classic Music Reviews podcast. Like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, check us out, interact with us on social media. We love to hear from our fans and we do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphone on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we'd like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.